0: Good evening everyone, my name is Emil and you're listening to another episode of Emil in the Morning at Night. Okay, this week was pretty cool for me. A bit hectic, but super cool. I ended up being invited to an event where I bumped into the awesome Tricky Icky, a super cool friend that guested on the podcast before. Even met a whole bunch of new awesome people. As far as gaming, I haven't been able to play as much as I want to since I've kind of been busy. But I have finally gotten around to buying myself a copy of Undertale. I'll probably get to playing that sometime this week when I'm free, so that's cool. I'll finally be able to see what all the fuss is about. Okay, on to this week episode. This week, I sit down with Dr. Beatrice Lapa of Senji Labs, a local game development studio focused on the production of educational games that are both fun and free. We get to talking about the games industry, Ragnarok Online, Tree of Savior, and a ton of other stuff. One of their games, Mothoria It All Adds Up, is currently on Steam Greenlight, so please do support their game if you can. I'll leave a link down in the description, it would be great to have it up on another platform for more people to experience and enjoy. If you guys enjoy stuff like this, I'll be bringing you conversations about life and video games every week. Alright, let's get down to this week's episode, yeah? Here's A Meal in the Morning at Night, Episode 17, with Dr. Beatrice Lapa Primarily, I conduct these interviews in English But feel free to speak in Tagalog if that's comfortable for you I
1: tend to mix up my Tagalog and English And sometimes in class, I let slip a bit of Becky
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, that's perfect Do you guys have any more questions, anything like that? Or should we start?
1: Oh, we can start
0: Okay, perfect! Let us begin Welcome to another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night, where I talk to interesting people over a cup of coffee at night. And tonight, joining us today is Miss Beatriz Lapa. Is that right? Am I getting anything wrong, Doctor Lapa?
1: Doctor B or something.
0: Oh, Doctor B. That's perfect. One of my favorite Tekken characters, <laughs> Doctor B. Okay. Miss Beatriz Lapa is a behavioral scientist, an indie game producer, and a web author since 1997, and a published author since 2013. Say hi to the audience and hi. maybe you can tell us more about yourself. Um, like who is Doctor Lapa?
1: well I'm just a nerd <laughs> okay know, I'm just a nerd I like studying a lot so if you saw my CV or my profile you'd notice a lot of crazy studying stuff in there okay um I published a book it, I, you just mentioned it mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Can I show it to you? Uh,
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Um, What is that book? Um, I actually looked it up on the internet, but um, the title escapes me right now, but now that I'm looking it up. It is called Images in Play. How Filipino women co-create empowerment in social games. Is that right? Oh, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. So,
1: um, I did a bit of research on how Filipino women would play games. Okay. And I also studied a bit of the American women and the other European women mm-hmm. uh, whom I ended up playing with and then I saw the difference in the play style. Like, for instance, well, it's a general Filipino trait, that's Women or no general Filipino trait, not just with women. Okay. We don't really pay for stuff we, online. We
0: love free stuff online. That's yeah. for sure.
1: But the way these women play, they really go through lengths to be able to be good in game without having to pay for stuff.
0: Oh wow! Like um, for example, those freemium games wherein yeah. you have the option to pay for premium currency, but we just have that sense of pride. Na- Natapos ko to without paying.
1: Yes. Um. So they either grind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. They're also very. Comp- this is actually about three casual games. At that time, Facebook was very popular. Mm-hmm. So. It- these are three Facebook games, and then I noticed that uh, they were really cutthroat. I thought hardcore gamers were like AAA gamers, the like mm-hmm. people who played Counter Strike or Dota. Or... No, I've seen these women play like hardcore gamers on casual games. Okay. Like, yeah. With yeah, yeah. spreadsheets, and then this girl <laughs> wow. is about to beat me. I have to get this position. Oh it's man. Like... <laughs> Mostly
0: I do spreadsheets in like World of Warcraft yeah. or stuff like that to maximize my DPS. But actually, now that you mention that, my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Right now she's playing this casual game called Neko Atsume
1: heard of that with the cat? yeah with the cats and
0: everything where it's just a casual game where you lay out stuff in your yard to attract cats yes yes, but, I've seen but that. the other night she linked me a spreadsheet <laughs> that, that calculates the amount income you get depending on the cat toy and the cat that visits your yard exactly. and it's like a serious spreadsheet yeah. yeah
1: exactly i was like how can i call these players casual gamers they're not casual gamers. yeah yeah like like they have a spreadsheet for cityville at that time Mm -hmm. And just to maximize the bonuses in the areas while keeping the aesthetic.
0: I mean, some Clash of Clans players can be really crazy, right? But
1: these women are also obsessed about how their game looks like. Yeah, 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 of course. So so it's like going shopping for appliances and then you pick a microwave oven because it's functional and pretty. It's something (laughs) like that. Okay. So I'm like, okay, so this is how they play. cutthroat in gaming and they also have spreadsheets so it's I can't call them casual gamers that's very interesting I, I wrote about them because they're yeah at the time before I entered Anino Games uh, that was back in 2011 I was never a casual gamer okay because the first company I got into was uh, the first gaming company I got into was Level Up Level oh, Up man. is known yeah. for Ragnarok Online Ragnarok
0: Online um, was a gigantic part of my yeah. life mm-hmm. and
1: RF Online yes so these are too yeah these are definitely not casual gamers so of when course. I got into Anina Games and they were making casual games, I was like, oh, it's for those old women. Like, th- that was uh-huh. my first thought.
0: Mentality, yeah. yeah and then I'm I- sure it was a huge leap from something so intense like Ragnarok Online and RF Online to casual games, yeah. of course.
1: And then when I got in there, I was like, and I was actually at that time, I was not yet a doctor. I was writing my dissertation mm-hmm. at that time. It was my final year as a PhD student. So I studied most of the players of these games. And then I found out, oh, Oh my God! These women are yeah, yeah. I can't call them casual gamers. Yeah, not yeah. Like, what do I call them? Because they're they're playing like hardcore gamers on casual.
0: This is actually something that um a previous interviewee of mine actually mm-hmm. also brought up. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Luna Cruz mm-hmm. from Altitude Games. Yeah. She said that like some casual gamers can be just as hardcore or even more hardcore. I mean like, like what I said during that interview, the lines between casual and hardcore seem to be blurring mm-hmm, nowadays mm-hmm. and that's a very interesting thing. Um, okay, I think we're getting like super ahead of ourselves and I hope we're not confusing our listeners. I want to bring it back a little, maybe get to know you more. Okay. Um, okay, so who are you? Who is Dr. Lapa? I mean, so far you've mentioned that you started with Level Up Games, right? Mm-hmm. Is that when your um, foray into the games industry began
1: yeah because uh you mentioned earlier that i was a web author since 1997 yes yes but then i was a game writer at that time i was a reviewer i would review i would blog about oh, games. oh okay a game writer like yeah. you
0: do reviews you do yeah. previews that kind of thing
1: yeah okay and then ragnarok came along i got addicted <laughs> I got so addicted. I stopped everything. Like, my entire life, like, Mm -hmm. revolved around. Me too. My (laughs) original
0: server was Chaos back in the better days, right? Right, right. And then, And then when it got too full because my internet is shit and everyone else's internet is shit and the servers are shit, Mm -hmm. I switched to Fenrir, I think. And then after that, URDR, order.
1: Uh, yeah. That is, uh, that is the... The
0: PvP server. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, anyways, so you got into level up games. So that's when your foray into the games industry began. Mm-hmm. How was that for you? How was working at Level Up Games? How did that influence you?
1: That was actually fun. I started as a game writer. They called me a game script writer. That was my official title. Mm-hmm. So what I did at that time was localize. Oh, ah, really? Yeah. So make it more appropriate to the Filipino culture. Because it's so Korean and it's in English.
0: So you did localization so, yeah. for Ragnarok Online? Yeah, so oh, wow, but really? At that
1: time I was the scripts were hard-coded. Okay. Which means I had, I could see the code <laughs> <laughs> while for editing sure. the script. Oh wow, So right. it's like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, I know what to do here. Oh, so if I took this job, for instance, my um, job class. Okay. It's like a cheat.
0: Oh, seeing all, right. all
1: those things
0: because since you were doing the script writing since you were doing the localization you knew how to turn into an assassin at Morok because of the code and yeah stuff like because that. of that yeah uh-huh. so all
1: of the new the new classes that came out oh yeah that was actually ah oh, okay so this is what I'm gonna do and like um like
0: this is how you... I can become a bard this yeah. is how I can become a dancer <laughs> yeah so yeah access right. to
1: all of that and then eventually I became a gameplay specialist so it's a group of people that tests the game okay okay so we test the game. And then we sometimes, since I was also a scriptwriter and a gameplay specialist at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they changed my title, but I was still doing scriptwriting. Oh wow,
0: you were still doing both?
1: Yeah, I was still doing okay. both. So sometimes they'd ask me if, was I willing to write new features for the game? For instance, uh, it's Christmas. Let's make a Christmas feature. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Christmas Quest. Alright, so Christmas write,
0: Quest and Ludi. yeah. Yeah,
1: and then I'd write Christmas Quests. I'd write them in pseudo code because... All right. um, we were working with Korean programmers at that time. Oh wow, alright.
0: This is actually very fascinating <laughs> yeah, for me because was... like I was super into Ragnarok Online and that's just like a big part of my gaming life. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like finding out about like how things were done.
1: Maybe things are done differently now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think Level Up changed hands several times. So oh yeah, understand. yeah, yeah. So at that time, we were talking to Korean programmers like, Okay, we want this feature. I'll just write the pseudo code because mm-hmm. it's so difficult. Uh, at that time, even if we're talking over chat, we couldn't understand each other. Some things would
0: be lost in translation, yeah. so of course. I would
1: go down. I forgot if it's down or up. There were two <laughs> floors. So I forgot which one. So it'd go up or down and then look for the programmer and then try to talk to him and then right. we'd still not understand each other. And like, I'm going to write pseudocode and see if he can do it. All so right. I wrote pseudocode with the scripts, with uh, the design of the the features the quests and then that was like oh this okay i know how to do this
0: <laughs> so basically, code is the universal language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's super interesting to me because like now I know that the person I'm talking to, when I talk to like maybe a Kafra, maybe like a mm-hmm. quest giver back in Ragnarok Online mm-hmm. and I saw that text that like, welcome to Prontera or like this is how mm-hmm. you're gonna be a thief today, young novice. Mm-hmm. That's you writing that, yeah. huh? Oh, that's pretty amazing. Okay, so from Level Up Games, how did you transition? Like where did you go after that?
1: Well, um, at that time, I was taking my master's degree Okay. And then I wanted to rest because being in the game industry is kind of tiring. That's especially understandable. If, especially if you're studying at the same time. So mm-hmm. I, that. I got invited to teach so for a while I taught. And then I became assistant director of one of the departments. During my dissertation, I was already taking my PhD. I was like, I cannot find a topic for my final paper. The thesis, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually a dissertation. Okay. I couldn't find the topic. And I was like, I need to go back to the industry that I came from. So I left, and then I went into Anino Games. And that ah. was where I found the, these women in casual games. Oh or... man,
0: like, <laughs> Anino Games, that's like mm-hmm. a recurring thing in my head right now. Mm-hmm. Because like, one of my previous interviewees told me like, the games industry here in the Philippines is very small, and mm-hmm. all of you know each other. Yeah. I mean like, the previous bunch of my interviews, you all know them apparently. <laughs> like, I was talking to you off-mic a while ago, and mm-hmm. you know about uh, Miss Luna, mm-hmm. you know about Nika, mm-hmm. and like, I'm just surprised that what Nika told me that the games industry is super small to the point that you, you guys all know each other yeah. and like I actually reached out to you guys from different sources and you guys still all knew each other and that's pretty amazing to me okay with that said though um with how like tight-knit the community here is with how like close everyone here everyone knows each other that kind of thing what's your view on the games industry here nowadays
1: right now we're like, uh, I usually describe it, it's like, we're one huge BPO right now.
0: Okay, okay.
1: What I mean by that is, because it's business process outsourcing, right? Mm-hmm, so of if, course. if a company needs an accountant, you hire an accountant from an accounting firm or something Of course. Like that. Uh-huh. So it's the same thing with here. What I saw when I was in Anino, it's we had clients, we make games for them, okay. and then another entity publishes those games. And then now, I'm seeing a boom in the indie games industry. So that's a different thing altogether. Together. Yeah, of
0: course. Nowadays, we're making that shift from the AAA titles mm-hmm. to the indie market mm-hmm. because with the rise of games such as like Shovel Knight mm-hmm. or like um, other games like Undertale which mm-hmm. are super amazing games, a lot of attention is being shifted to the indie type games.
1: Yeah, because uh-huh. uh, especially with, uh, have you heard of Barry Silvestre? He, he...
0: Barry Silvestre? Yeah. Mm, no. He was
1: actually the first to get into Steam Greenlight. Really? If... Here locally? Yeah. Okay, the Philippines. Oh, that's if I remember correctly, yeah, mm-hmm. he was the first Filipino to get greenlighted with Pretentious Game.
0: Pretentious. Oh shit! Uh, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh-huh.
1: that, that was the game that.
0: Pretentious game. Yeah. I didn't even know that was local.
1: Yeah, it was local.
0: I had no idea that game <laughs> came from the Philippines, and there was such a buzz around it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty so, amazing. Yeah. So with this like shift in the indie scene and everything like that, with that said, let's get to talking about how I got to know you guys. I mean actually, um, I got to know you guys through Senshi Labs. Um, Could you tell us about Senshi Labs?
1: Well, it's like we have a mission and what the main mission is to provide free huh? games but the free games have to be educational.
0: Educational. That yeah. is the interesting spin I saw mm-hmm. you guys take on it. Like your profile says, uh, Senshi Labs is an edutainment studio that mm-hmm. develops free but fun educational games mm-hmm. that's my first experience of like talking to or hearing about a game studio here mm-hmm. locally that focuses on educational games mm-hmm. and to me that's a very interesting idea because like all of us grew up with edutainment style games mm-hmm. like we had stuff like mario teaches typing carmen and... San
1: Diego. yeah <laughs> like i love carmen <laughs> san
0: diego yeah. where in the world is <laughs> Car- like i'm gonna yeah. stop singing on the podcast but yeah i love those types yeah. of games before but like this is my first time actually talking into a studio that actually creates these games. Mm -hmm. So, what made you guys choose that route for your game studio?
1: Well, uh, for me personally, uh, when I was working overtime, which happens a lot in the industry, there came a point when I was like, sometimes we'd be on call, and then it'll be like, in the or like super, super early. Sometimes, I'd be answering client calls at 12 midnight. Oh man. You know, an email at 4 a.m. or at 8 a.m. again. It's like, we're doing this for entertainment. I could understand the overworking mm-hmm. if I'm on call. I could understand it if I were a doctor uh-huh. a medical doctor. Of course. So if I were a medical doctor, you'd be saving lives. So if you're on call, that makes it worthwhile to be on That's call. That's
0: completely understandable if there is a life on the line and people call you at 2am.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, exactly. But when you're doing these things for the entertainment of other people, uh-huh. it, it's fun. Really? Yeah, like, totally. The work is fun. But after a while, you question, you ask yourself, is it worth it? And then sometimes uh, not everyone appreciates what you do.
0: Of course. And yeah, then yeah. sometimes
1: you've done all that you can and it's still not enough. And it's all for entertainment.
0: I mean, like, we're living in the age of the internet. Yeah. And a lot of the times, you're going to be coming across a lot of salt online. A lot of vitriol. <laughs> yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I mean, the comment section is a toxic cesspool of, yeah. like, negative comments against somebody's life's work. And yeah. that just mm-hmm sometimes and yeah. you ask yourself is this worth doing yeah
1: not only that a lot of developers I'm sure not just me okay uh, when I was still in level up my mom hated the fact that I was working for a game development company really yeah, why a publishing is that company. okay uh, she thinks it's a waste of time
0: a waste of time yeah, all right needed... those are pretty some, some strong words yeah yeah, yeah yeah from your
1: own mother right yeah so, uh, she, she thought it was a waste of time so you're spending this much energy and so little pay for something that's just for entertainment I mean what value are you adding to the lives of other people
0: oh man I mean you you started in 2004 right yeah for level of games and that was around the time where like the MMO genre was just like exploding on the scene yeah. and there were a lot of articles and a lot of like conversations mm-hmm. about how these types of games are detrimental to the growth of our youth but yeah. I mean like my parents really didn't like these types of games Mm -hmm. and thought it was detrimental to the growth of a lot of people but like I don't know what to like (laughs) I don't know how to explain this to our listeners but like I'm sure you guys understand it I'm sure you guys understand that when you play a game it offers you something else you know
1: Uh, I can't explain the psychological aspects of it Like, Uh uh, like it's art for instance, mm-hmm. art actually helps you psychologically. Exactly, exactly. So it, it's difficult to explain, especially when you have data on mm-hmm. kids failing school because of your MMO. Yeah,
0: it's really tough to like...
1: <laughs> to defend that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I even had an office mate whom I overheard like had a problem with her child who got too addicted to Ragnarok.
0: Oh man, that kinda... So like,
1: I work for the company! <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, like, the sacrifices that you have to make in order to, like, it clashes with your values you sacrifice your family or whatever. Oh, man, we're so getting that's... really
0: in-depth here and, like, yeah. I like that we're talking about this mm-hmm. because most of the time in the gaming communities, in, like, these sort of spaces, we'll be faced with problems like this mm-hmm. and we don't wanna talk about it. Mm -hmm. When somebody brings up something like that, like some sort of politician campaigning against video Mm -hmm. games or like some article saying that video games lead to dropouts or anything like that, Mm -hmm. usually the response from gamers is that no, let's not talk about this, no, let's ignore this, it's it's not within the sphere of our interest, it's not within the growth of our industry to be talking about this, but it's my opinion that it's something we need to talk about. Yes. I mean, we're well past that mm-hmm. era of like video game addiction um, hysteria, mm-hmm. video game addiction hysteria, and we're past that, but I think it's those types of topics that deserve to be talked about because when you don't talk about it, how are you ever going to find a solution, a solution to the problem? Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what was your take on that when you were faced with that problem? I mean, you worked for Level Up.
1: Yeah. Well, the company itself had other ways of providing solution. Like we had the honor system at that time. Oh, I remember
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So the
1: honor system, you offered that, that if you get good grades. good grades. Yeah,
0: you would get bonus stuff in Ragnarok Online. Yeah, right?
1: but then I got a botter. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right Holy crap! who
1: who had to bot because she was studying and she needed to be in the honor roll. (laughs) Oh,
0: Oh, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Oh, man. Now,
1: botting's not so bad, I guess. uh,
0: Like, in other games, like World of Warcraft and stuff like that, I vehemently, like, campaign against botting because you're ruining the immersion experience. But, when it came to Ragnarok, I know, like, I shouldn't be saying this, like, you were from Level Up, you worked on this game.
1: At the time that we were there, Mm -hmm. in 2004 to 2005, botting was banned It was bad. Of course,
0: of course. Because
1: we were gamers who thought that it imbalances the system. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. So,
1: the thing is, when we catch botters, yeah. like, and then they grow in number, and then we were overwhelmed. It's Yeah, exactly. Much. I think when I left, they already allowed the botters. I'm not sure. Really? Maybe it's just so many of them. Gonna
0: make a quick confession here. I actually tried it out for a bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Bought on
0: Ragnarok it? Online. And like, it's not fun Mm -hmm. because like my main thing with Ragnarok Online was the social interaction. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. being able to interact with my guildmates, Mm -hmm. being able to go on great adventures with my friends and stuff like that and botting just kind of took away from that yeah. i mean like well, what's the point in adventuring if you're not going to be experiencing the adventure but it also came to the point that the way ragnarok online was designed mm-hmm. um those last two levels those last three levels those were just like oh my god yeah, like and it if just, you
1: die it's one percent <laughs> oh my god yeah
0: i, I forgot about that <laughs> yeah but, right exactly. like when you die minus one percent exp yes. And when you're at like level 98, Mm -hmm. that can mean a week of (laughs) gameplay, like oh my god. So like that sort of justified botting in a tiny way Mm -hmm. but for me, the main draw of an MMORPG really is the social interaction mm. because I'm big on MMORPGs. I used to play World of Warcraft, not anymore because that, <laughs> that was taking over my life. Yes. Uh, but mostly, nowadays I play Guild Wars 2 and mm. other stuff like Tree of Savior. Yeah. Like, we were here a while ago, like when I walked in, we started talking about Tree of Savior. Yeah, yeah?
1: Uh, I, I have a closed beta account. So yeah, me too, <laughs> me too, me too, me too. Like, I just try not to get too attached because you know it's gonna get wiped by open door. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean like, I was playing and I'm like, I'm I'm not gonna go past level 20 because I will get too attached. Mumurahin ko sarili ko for mm. leveling up that character so much.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: anyways, now that we're talking about more recent games, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now that we're talking about Tree of Savior, mm-hmm. I mean, like that's very related to what you were doing because mm-hmm. Ragnarok Online, right? And yeah. Tree of Savior is the spiritual successor to so the Ragnarok. Ragnarok Online. How do you feel about that game?
1: I love it. <laughs> I just hated the linearity.
0: Oh yeah? I didn't get far enough to feel that. Please tell us about it, yeah. What
1: happened was, I did something stupid. So okay. I was... I wanted to slot my gem to my... I wanted to attach the gem to my weapon. Okay. I ended up... That weapon got eaten by the gem.
0: Wait, what? Okay. The
1: gem actually experience. Oh! So it
0: feeds so, on so, stuff. Instead of you actually sticking the gem inside the weapon, the gem ate the weapon.
1: The gem ate the weapon. <laughs> okay, that's cool. <laughs>
0: that's a weird system. It's, a,
1: it's not even like, I, I lost my weapon because I tried to upgrade to level 8. <laughs> no, it's not.
0: It just accidentally ate your weapon yeah, it when just you ate were trying weapon. to stick it into it's the slot.
1: A, I mean, upgrade accidents are not accidents, it's more of a chance thing if yeah. you upgrade uh-huh. to a higher level.
0: Yeah, I mean, back in Ragnarok Online, yeah. trying to get that plus it's 9 Saka. Yeah, it's, yeah.
1: it's the same thing for uh-huh.
0: Tree of Saviors. G of
1: Savior, and then what happened was I I lost interest because that was my last. That's my only weapon. I'm poor. <laughs> what? Well, right. I'm gonna go in there and fight these tough monsters with my bare hands. Oh okay, man! Okay, I'm just gonna level my monk. Oh, so man. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I switched characters. Uh huh. The thing with the game is that you open maps through quests. Okay. It's not like in Ragnarok Mm -hmm. where... Where
0: you just run around. Yeah. Yeah. If
1: you're a swordy, you you start in Bialan, I think.
0: Yes, you start in Bialan. And
1: then if you're uh, you're an Acolyte, you start in Frontera. Yes. At the church, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then these are different places like Alberta for... For merchants. For merchants. Uh So these are different places. Mm -hmm. So you'll have different experiences with every character class. My problem with Tree of Saviors is that I had to go through the same thing. Again
0: So Any class you pick You end up in the same starting you zone You
1: start from the same area oh, And then you open Right,
0: up. I mean like Back in the day um, Ragnarok Online We all started from different starting towns mm-hmm. And we actually didn't have Much in a way of in Ragnarok Online, Mm -hmm. you would just forge your own way. And I think that added to the magic of the experience. I think. And and Uh they're
1: different. I was also studying the players at that time. I was fascinated. Some of them were hardcore gamers. Some of them were just there to chat.
0: Yeah, of course. Like we'd be in
1: Flower Lady and we'd be there chatting for four hours.
0: Yeah, like my guild had a specific spot at Prontera just to sit down and chat. There, there. Uh And then
1: sometimes we'd go on a siege if I don't feel like, you know, I don't have the (laughs) bloodlust. Of course. Because I think I stopped going to sieges because I noticed that my mouth would go off like
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you can curse here, come on.
1: Fully explicit <laughs>
0: podcast. Yeah,
1: I know, but I'm back <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 that is really, it's really, like, it's like road raging. Basically
0: like, detrimental to your blood pressure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I stopped doing that and then started collecting cakes in Luti. I noticed some people also just collect stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And then yeah. I'd ask them, what's that for? No, I just really like these items. And yeah, I, I mean just like, collect them.
0: everyone had 250 Tokebi Horns with yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That, that urban legend that yeah. Tukevi Horns will make make you get better loot, right? Yeah,
1: so a lot of people were doing different things inside the game. So mm-hmm. you could be a casual gamer. Some of them just look for hookups in-game. I mean, like,
0: everyone had a different way of playing this game. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, with Drift of Savior, I find it too linear.
0: Yeah, like, yeah.
1: Oh my god, I did this quest three days ago. (laughs) I mean,
0: I immediately kind of felt it with how the maps were structured in a way that I didn't (laughs) feel like I had the full range of exploration that I did Mm -hmm. have during Ragnarok Online, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I mean, I haven't gotten too far into the game yet, so I can't really make a proper assumption yet, but I'm sure you've experienced it. Only
1: for that, but I like the class system.
0: Yeah, the class system looks really fun as shit. I love the class Uh system. There's a ton of options, yeah.
1: You could be like, I started with a swordsman, and then... I realized I could also go back to being a swordsman. I already shifted to another class okay. after 15 class levels. And then I wanted to upgrade the other skills, but I couldn't touch them unless I'm a swordsman.
0: Unless you go back to being a swordsman. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. I went
1: back. So every 15 levels you can change classes. Mm-hmm. And then you can change a maximum of three times. Okay. For for okay. the cla- for that class only. Mm-hmm. So for instance you can only be a swordsman three times. And then you have to move on. Huh. So it means that you can actually try all the other classes. Yeah, for Maybe, sure, for sure. I haven't gotten to. I I know people at level 140, I think. Oh
0: man, the amount of like character customization here, as far as your class mm-hmm. is concerned, mm-hmm. is very mind blowing. Yeah, no? I
1: like the idea. Uh uh-huh.
0: There's like tons of options, mm-hmm. and that's something that I miss when it comes to games. Mm-hmm. Um, because usually games these days hold your hand a lot, or like, mm-hmm. like, as a D and D term, railroad you mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. like a certain character mm-hmm. progression path, and like. I miss the time of being able to screw up your character.
1: Yeah. Like what I did with my gem and my sword.
0: Yeah, like or or like back when I started Ragnarok, I started a mage and Mm. went full strength.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's horrible. (laughs) Oh, like for our listeners over here, Dr. Lapa and I are not the only people here. Say hi! (laughs)
1: <laughs> this is Dial <laughs> Dial is from Team Anemone, From the team that made Animony Our second Android game
0: Oh okay Okay that's perfect Um, Now that we're talking about mm-hmm. that actually Now that we're talking about your games And like I think we've like Gone into the rabbit hole Of Ragnarok <laughs> Online And yeah. our listeners Are listening to us babble on Let's try to get to know A bit more about like Senshi mm-hmm. You know I went to your website And you guys have released A number of games On PC and on Android mm-hmm. Like for example um, You guys released Prolog a Guardian story back in May two thousand fourteen, mm-hmm. and Mathoria. It all adds up in December two thousand fourteen, and Adarna book one, Song of Pisces, Zenaya, and the game you just mentioned a while ago, Anemone. Yeah, Anemone. Yeah. Anemone, Anemone. I thought it was Anemone. I'm sorry. Oh
1: yeah, it's Anemone, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Okay. Okay. So. So. <laughs> Um, the sea creature.
0: And you guys have brushstrokes uh, slated to release next year.
1: Uh, we cancel that. Oh um, really? No, it's on hold.
0: It's on hold, yeah. on hiatus. Okay. Yeah, because
1: we need a team of 3D artists for that. Oh yeah, yeah. of course.
0: <laughs> I actually saw the preview art. Yeah, yeah it's in uh, 3D.
1: Yeah, um, that is part of that.
0: Oh, that's super interesting. The <laughs> uh, lead programmer, of the only yeah. <laughs> <new, new> programmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, now that we're talking about that, I actually got to know you guys through your game, Matthor. Mm -hmm. It all adds up. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my friends actually shared your Steam Greenlight page onto my feed. And I saw it and I was like, huh, this is interesting. An RPG that is focused on educational things. I mean, like, (laughs) you fight through math. You solve quests through math. And... That was like, wow. I didn't know we had local people here that are making games focused on this type of way. This yeah. type of like angle that they're making um, something I'm very familiar with. Like a Japanese style RPG. Mm-hmm. Walking around in this like environment completing quest. Mm-hmm. But through math. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is super interesting. I want to talk to these people. And that's how I reached out mm-hmm. to you guys actually. So, Mathoria, it all adds up. It was released last year, December 2014. Mm-hmm. But now, you guys have released it on Steam. It-
1: Not- not it needs yes votes.
0: Oh yes, of course. I mean, it's on Steam Greenlight, green light, right? Yeah. right? So you guys are trying to garner enough votes for it to be released mm-hmm. for free.
1: Yeah, it That's is. That's very
0: interesting. Crazy. So you guys have selected the free route for your game. Why is that?
1: For well, one thing, I, I considered it a mission. Mm-hmm. Maybe to make up for the fact that in my earlier years, we ruined lives. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> ruined people's education. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that's one of those things. And um, another thing is I wanted to prove to people that we're not just entertainers.
0: Oh, man. that's That's some pretty heavy stuff you just mentioned. I mean like... Yeah. You worked at Level Up, and like Ragnarok Online contributed to the explosion of the MMO genre Mm -hmm. here. And like, (laughs) you just bring with yourself that kind of mentality that, oh man, these games weren't as helpful as I thought they would be. And is that why you're doing something
1: like this? No, I think Ragnarok Online helped me with my little skills. I mean like I mean for I, I think games in general you don't need to be educational mm-hmm. they actually teach you things. Yeah
0: like, I mean like one of my big things mm-hmm. is actually back when I was a kid like I've told this story a whole bunch of times on this podcast before but like mm-hmm. for your benefit I'm gonna mm-hmm. tell it again like back when I was a kid mm-hmm. I was playing Final Fantasy 7 and basically I was just really into it I was just in it for the story mm-hmm. in it for the stuff like that and upon holding the two shoulder buttons during a battle I figured out that my characters could run away mm-hmm. and I I was like oh shit I can just run away mm-hmm. I don't have to fight this stupid battle I can just continue the story because mm-hmm. that's what I was interested mm-hmm. in so I ran away from every battle and then eventually I get to Nibelheim mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is very far into the game I was surprised myself uh-huh. that I got that far running away running from every away. battle <laughs> oh <Yeah. my> god! <laughs>
1: uh, and
0: like I get yeah. there and there's this monster called the Materia Keeper right mm-hmm. and basically the Materia Keeper wipes the floor with me because mm-hmm.
1: compl- he just ran away right? yeah he and completely
0: he slaughtered it. me it was the first time I couldn't get around it through just like figuring out the strategy or mm-hmm. figuring out his weakness because that's how I would get past everything and I came to the realization as a kid that I was like oh shit Emil you can't run away from your battles they make you stronger yeah and that's something a game taught me through its mechanics yeah and like with Ragnarok Ragnarok taught Mm. me basic math skills, basic business sense with my merchant. Yeah. Like, selling red potions at 41 zenny was the complete break-even you'd make one zenny per, right? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. And if you sell
1: more, like thousands of it, Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. a lot of money to make there. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, games can teach you so much. They can
1: teach you so much. I think a lot of us have very good strategy skills because of being exposed to hardcore games or Mm -hmm. even casual games after I've seen a math major use her major to get good at Candy Crush.
0: Oh man, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that is for sure a, a mathematical <laughs> like, algorithm.
1: Yeah, I know. So like, we also have tangential learning. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, if you like Assassin's Creed, and then you realize that it's been happening in history, it happened. It's it's sort of a fictional depiction of history. something that happened in for. history. Yeah,
0: exactly. And
1: then you end up studying it because of the game.
0: So basically, because you played Assassin's Creed, you're now yes. interested in what George Washington did, like a whole mm-hmm. bunch. of Years ago, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and then uh, I
0: haven't played any Assassin's Creed games. I
1: played. Um, I played. <laughs>
0: I don't know if George Washington is in there. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Yes, he is. Okay, thank you for the uh, confirmation.
1: Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> I remember I played uh, Jean D'Arc.
0: Jean D'Arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that and game. That uh-huh. I
1: loved it. I love that game. And there's, of course, there's a talking frog. And then there's the, <laughs> like, I'm sure there's no talking frog in history. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> So you look it up. So I look it up. Was there but, a talking frog in
1: history? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, that, not that part. But <laughs> And then uh, they changed a bit of the story. Of but course. it's obviously for, for... Artistic license. Yeah. Uh-huh. But... The fact that I looked up Jean Dior just check her history. Just that fact, yeah. Yeah.
0: Games inspire a sort of learning. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: But, um, I went through this route because you need to be a certain age to play a game. Exactly,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Especially the ones that we like playing. I mean,
0: like, back when I was younger, I played Final Fantasy Tactics and everything flew over my head. Yeah. I didn't understand any of the politics. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand anything. Like, I didn't even know you could change jobs. (laughs) I was that much of a dumbass, yeah. Yeah, But
1: you were a kid. Yeah, I was a kid, of course. So it's okay. You have to be a certain age. Uh-huh. So with Mathoria, we wanted a younger demographic. The ones who are not allowed to play those um, Mature games. Mature like, games, yeah. Like Assassin's Creed. Because um, tangential learning happens later. Mm-hmm, for But sure. for earlier games, like I, I remember growing up on um, Chem Lab. There's this uh, an old game where I blew up things by mixing the wrong chemicals together. Oh man. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least in the video game and not okay. in an actual lab.
0: I mean, like I grew up with stuff like um, Mario teaches typing. Yeah. And that stuff was great. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then um I remember Carmen, Sandiego, course, oh, yeah, I I Carmen I San Diego of course. Yeah, I love Carmen San Diego. Geography and history. Uh-huh. And then I noticed that. Okay, the math game sort of for me. The, okay. Because okay, I just solved this problem and this whole thing no story. So
0: remembering those games just like resonated with you yeah, and then like, like
1: you, you zoned
0: into the math. Yeah. yeah?
1: Maybe um, it's more of a proposal of a thesis group that I had. Really? I was handling a thesis group. They chose me as their advisor and then they had this proposal, Mathoria, and I thought that game, I wanna make that. Exactly. So huh? I wanna make that game because we want something that will help people with math. Because all of us, like well, at least me. Uh-huh. I-, I wasn't that inclined with learning math.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting because you mentioned a while ago, like stuff like Carmen San Diego mm-hmm. and other stuff like mm-hmm. that. That chemistry game you mm-hmm. mentioned. I mean, those lend themselves to a very interesting environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, Carmen San Diego palange. Eh. I mean, you're gonna be visiting different locales and things yeah. like that mm-hmm. and learning, and it's very conducive to the game environment. But math, it's kind of <laughs> kind of hard to slot in. Yeah. And I'm
1: like, oh, the math games that my friends would recommend, try this math game. It's fun. Uh, it's not. It's not <laughs> fun. It's not. It's full of numbers. Oh, okay, no, okay.
0: So basically, your forward drive with this game is somehow make math fun and yeah. interesting. Okay. So
1: when they proposed the game, I was like, that, that's a good idea. I, uh-huh. I, I want this game. I want to make this game. Let's make this game. The problem there was, when we were making it, the team was composed of four programmers, no mm-hmm. artists. Oh, At yeah. That time, that's a problem. So they were using unity. The art was like, um, I could probably show you the old uh, art, but it it looks like an uglier version of South Park.
0: I actually saw it. (laughs) (laughs) I looked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm sorry, Steven. Steven did the art. I'm sorry, Steven. You know, your art.
0: (laughs) Oh, come on. I mean, these were programmers. Yeah,
1: they were like, (laughs) that wasn't their forte. Do I have to do this? I'm a programmer. I mean, like,
0: (laughs) I consistently admire people who jump into a discipline that they know nothing about because it takes a certain (laughs) sort of courage and bravery to be able to put something out that you're not quite so good at, and for it to be viewed by public eyes, you know?
1: The funny thing was, we tested it on ages 8 to 10 year old kids, tested it on the kids, they did not mind the art at all. Oh man. When you notice that the older gamers would like bash everything online. Of course. The kids are like, this seems fun. That's super interesting. The the dialogues are simple. So I noticed that the older players would do reviews, like even in YouTube, we've Mm -hmm. noticed the YouTube reviews. we're talking about how the dialogues are so simple, and because like, 'cause you're not the target market.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, I mean, like, when you're older, you you tend to zone in on the minutia.
1: Yeah, there. And then when we tested it on the kids, they were like, the dialogues were simple enough for them to absorb. Mm-hmm. And then we wanted to collect something, kind of thing. Uh, and then Arvin, I think, it's either Arvin or Blue, they decided to come up with uh, armor sets ah. with different uh, stats. Okay. Like for instance, this gives you higher damage, but your HP is lower. A one hit wonder.
0: Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> We're getting super in depth mm-hmm. for Mathoria, mm-hmm. and like I love what you guys are doing, and I love that you guys are promoting this sort of edutainment sort of mm-hmm. mindset because like we need a lot of diversity in our games industry, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, like all of you guys always tell me the games industry here is very small, very mm-hmm. tight knit. But I'm very happy to see that even though within this small community, you guys seem to be very. Diverse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, like, an educational game studio, that's amazing to me because that's something very left-field, you know? I mean, you guys grew up with Ragnarok Online. You guys grew up with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, you guys shifted this sort of interesting mechanic, interesting thing you're trying to put out. Okay, um, we're getting a bit in-depth. We're getting a bit totally in there. Uh, but for now, we're gonna take a short break. Let's take a short break. We will be back here on A Meal in the Morning at Night with Dr. Lapa after a short break. Yeah, um, BRB, guys. You're listening to Emile in the Morning at Night. Honestly, I don't have much to say here just yet, but if you have any ideas or if you would like me to talk about your stuff in this section, send us an email over at emilinthemorning@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Now, I hope you guys are enjoying the show so far, so let's get right back to it. let's get going let's start let's start yeah okay. welcome back welcome back to Emil in the morning at night we are here with Dr. Lapa again um Dr. B Doc B Doc B Doc B I think Short. I've been saying Dr. Lapa pa. like okay. I should get more, more comfortable yeah? yeah Doc B
1: yeah Doc B I, I use it like a code name because it's easier to pronounce I mean that's
0: <laughs> like that's a super cool nickname to me because like for a while I was super into Tekken and it just reminds me of Dr. Baskonovic <laughs> yeah, yeah Dr. B yeah, yeah. I, I'm really sorry by the way during the first part of the interview I didn't even give you a chance to didn't. open the tea <laughs>
1: <laughs> I took okay
0: um, to our listeners out there as usual I'm having a coffee and Doc B is having a nice chamomile tea I think mm-hmm. yeah okay so getting back to what we were talking about earlier we were talking about Mathoria, right Mathoria mm-hmm. and how it's on green light right now mm-hmm. that's super great and like I just want to get that out there maybe get more people to support your yeah. cause maybe get more people to support your endeavor but for now I kind of want to talk about your other things that you've worked on when i looked on your website you guys have released like a number of games i've mentioned them earlier like a guardian story adarna song of pisces Mm Zenaya, anemone two of those things really really like popped to me Mm -hmm. um specifically adarna and Zenaya, because those are two games that you guys were very much focused on Mm -hmm. filipino folklore that's super interesting because not only are you guys doing educational games Mm -hmm. when it comes to like math right? You even have two games that introduce Filipino folklore into gaming. Mm-hmm. That's super amazing. I, like, what was your mindset when it came to creating that?
1: For for Adarna, I think the thing was when I saw they were talking about K-12, I'm not sure if you've heard of the K-12 thing. What is that? High school is now gonna be like middle school and then you have senior high school. Okay. So it's more like it's the same as Japan setup mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you have um, grade 7 to 12. Okay. Yeah. My brothers going through that right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So they've changed the educational system? Yeah. And I actually wasn't think, aware of this. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, and then what they did was, I think they're no longer going To teach Filipino in college, it's gonna be in senior high or oh, something. Man, really? Yeah, and okay. we're already bad at Filipino. I mean, I bastardize it all the time. Dude,
0: I went through the old like educational system and I'm horrible at Filipino. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. So, <laughs> what more now, I'm right? Like, I can't so, even uh, speak yeah, a word me. of, <laughs> I can't even speak in straight Tagalog without like uh, mixing it up with English or Becky or uh, all of that. Me too. I've,
0: I have lost more jobs not being able to speak in Tagalog properly. Yeah, yeah so
1: I'm like, let's challenge ourselves with Adarna. Let's remake Adarna. Uh, no, reimagine. That's okay, the word so, we wanted.
0: As far as um, the listeners who might not be familiar, Adarna is that old story.
1: The Ibong Adarna Ibung story. Ibong Adarna, exactly. Yeah. We wanted to make a game in Filipino that was actually very torturous. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 when you listen to. You try to read it out loud. Uh-huh. When you read the dialogues, you read it out loud. That sounded so wrong. So we were editing, like, there were two editors. Uh-huh. So that would be me and Arvin. Arvin Kabang, the mm-hmm. producer for Matoria. Okay. So he was the editor for Adarna. Because he was, re- he used to be a, a school journalist for Filipino, I think. Alright. So he was the one editing the, the dialogue. It's like, I found out also that you're not supposed to be talking in sentences that have I.
0: Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like,
1: de- you because
0: that's not conversational. That's
1: not conversational. Exactly. It's not natural to us.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. For
1: us to talk that with. way. Uh, yeah. It sounds very
0: archaic. Yeah. yeah. And then
1: um, we noticed. I think I was told. Somebody told me that I is actually something that Spanish people would use. Because really? Because they couldn't.
0: Oh, they couldn't figure out our sentence structure. Yeah. So really. They
1: put I okay. in there to put things together. Huh, so, so that's
0: pretty amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: So I, somebody told me that. I'm like, that's why it sounded so unnatural because we don't speak like that. Mm-hmm. it's actually the sentence structure of i think the english language
0: yeah 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 for sure subject and then predicate
1: yeah mm-hmm. so i hope yeah. i'm
0: getting that right
1: <laughs> subject ST video or something. Yeah, yeah. Basta, like <laughs> <laughs> basta. That thing. Yeah. And even if, uh, no, when I was studying for a bit Japanese, my sensei told me that Filipino is actually closer to Japanese. I mean, Japanese is closer to Filipino. The
0: sentence structure. Yeah. yeah than okay. English.
1: So if you're gonna be studying the language, it's better to study it thinking in Tagalog. Okay. So so that was how we were doing a darn, I was like, think in Tagalog. Think in Tagalog. Uh, think maybe in that's Tagalog. why I
0: was horrible when I was studying Japanese because my brain thinks in English. <laughs> yes. Huh. It's, it's
1: easier actually to think in Tagalog so you could grasp the language better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: That's actually pretty amazing to me because I actually saw a few videos on Adarna mm-hmm. and I saw that the whole thing was in Filipino. Yes, it From is. the start menu to the mm-hmm. combat menus to mm-hmm. all of the conversations, so everything Filipino. was in Filipino. I mean like, <laughs> I saw the battle system and it's like, like your attack, what was that?
1: <laughs>
0: I don't think it was umatagay, like like, uh, like so yeah, something sugod like that, or something like that. It was good. and then like mga or something like that. yeah, then, like, oh, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Actually, I know, is already it's not even tagalog. Yeah, right? yeah, like,
0: it's already so, a bastardization yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's and uh, like one of the abilities read malakas na atake <laughs> 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 It's kind of funny to me. Yeah, and like that's super interesting that you guys are trying to push that. With that in mind, though, are there any recent projects that have anything to do with like Filipino mythology, folklore?
1: Um, we were talking about in the break. When I was still just me in Senshi and you mentioned Prolog earlier, it was just me and then uh, I hired a couple okay. composers and an artist. Before Prolog, I spent a year trying to make this other project. It was supposed to be Filipino themed. The reason for that is I noticed that Koreans and Japanese people are already aware about that culture because of the games. Like in Persona, if you've played Persona, the, the demons there actually are, are from
0: mythology, of course. Yes,
1: so people already knew know these things. In fact, Greek mythology people already know that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's it's everywhere. It's everywhere,
0: for sure. Norse mythology, it's very popular nowadays. It's it's
1: everywhere. And then, uh, Japanese monsters or mythological creatures, everyone knows what these are. Everyone is
0: sort of vaguely familiar with them, of course.
1: Do you remember Ragnarok Online, uh, the Bongun? In the...
0: The bongun and the Moonak, yeah. yeah. The Chinese so, hopping zombies. So you,
1: you, you have these things incorporated into a game and then people know about them and they mm-hmm. know where they came from. They know the origins. But what about us?
0: Actually, now that you mention it, didn't Ragnarok have an expansion that had something to do with that? I saw like a preview page, but I, I didn't even know if it was real. I
1: don't know. Yeah. at that time, I was already gone. Oh, well, anyways. But, uh, anyways, anyways. So, yeah, I was thinking... Where's what about ours? our culture? Yeah, where's ours? We have, I think we have much to share to the world. I mean, and... we have
0: super cool monsters. I yeah. mean, who else has a monster that hangs out on top of a tree smoking a cigar, right? Yeah. Who else has a monster that at night, in order to start feasting on their victims, detaches from the yeah. lower half of their body yeah. and is weak against adobo? Yeah. <laughs> right?
1: Because of garlic? Yeah, because yeah. of garlic Bacon and vinegar and, yeah. and soy sauce.
0: <laughs> manananggals are basically weak against adobo. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Yeah,
1: so we have so much to share and then we also have like different gods yeah Uh so why don't we explore well not the gods yet so but the thing is with that game it was so huge the lore is so big and then i I mentioned to you earlier that we went to sagada we planned to go like country no 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 uh island hopping
0: island hopping all right to the provinces in order to
1: yeah we were supposed to go to capi's next
0: Capiz. Yeah, okay.
1: We went to Sagada first. We took pictures and then we interviewed the... We interviewed the town people. Yeah. And then we'd say, I think that's an interesting NPC dialogue. <laughs> but the thing was, it, it was a very big project. And with all big projects, I noticed a lot of um, new companies, they struggle with big projects and it takes them years and years and years to finish. And I think I'm never gonna finish that first game. Oh, alright. Because we needed a huge team. We needed resources. Oh, that so, makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. So, okay... We don't have the budget, but... We, uh, at least I was a producer for a Nino game so i know how to finish a game but I need to work with a game with the right size mm-hmm. for the kind of resources I have mm-hmm. so I need to be able to do that so we started working on smaller games that's
0: something a lot of game studios struggle mm. with I mean like you try to take on a project that's too big for you mm. and you'll end up with a situation like Duke Nukem Forever
1: mm. it took yeah. forever
0: to <laughs> release forever <laughs> exactly yeah.
1: and then you'd have like seemingly small projects that we finished like in five years, four years, and by that time, the technology is already old. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm just gonna make one game. I'm not a game programmer. I was a web programmer. I'm not a game programmer, so <laughs> right. I started with RPG maker, and then started working with an artist, and then with a composer, and then did all of those stuff. I'm not proud of Prologue. Really? But yeah, I'm not. It's like, oh, God, that first game. That, that first project. That that, he... That's
0: actually something like I find very endearing about artists and people who create. Yeah. Because you're never going to be satisfied with your first work. No,
1: the first work is like, mm-hmm. ugh.
0: So that's something <laughs> so, to me that like a lot of people see it as a negative, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh. My first work looks like donkey shit. Yeah. Like a lot of people say that and a lot of people beat themselves up for it. But to me, that's like a very endearing part of what makes an artist an artist. Because you guys are always not satisfied with whatever you guys worked on previously. Yeah. And to me, that brings like a sort of forward momentum, Mm -hmm. you know? Whatever you do next, you're always gonna improve, you know?
1: Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Okay, I said to my team when I already had the Mothoria team, we'll start small and each project is gonna be small but at least we learn something new so that when we want to make that big project Mm -hmm. we can just put all of these things that we learned it's like an inventory of skills that we're building of course so for instance in Prologue I learned how not to write long dialogues oh
0: man yeah yeah so basically while doing the development of these games you guys are going through a skill tree yeah
1: it's like ah god I mean when I read Prologue I'm like what was I thinking oh man writing all those things it's like I never learned anything from writing stuff for Ragnarok oh, when, when everything has to be simplified down. Uh-huh. I remember my boss would tell me before, quote and quote, yeah, bobify your dialogues.
0: For the English version, that would be kiss. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid. stupid yeah,
1: uh-huh. that's what her term was. Bobify your dialogues. You're still using uh, highfalutin language. You're still oh yeah, using yeah, yeah. High level language, but try to bring it down further, simplify it so. When I did Prologue, I noticed that a lot of the things my old boss taught me about writing, it's not there.
0: Because ah.
1: it got done. It, it my, my writing skills got shelved.
0: It was basically an oversight. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I, I noticed, ah, so long the dialogues. I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that's what I learned there. And then the kind of art we needed. With Mathoria, I noticed our artist, Jeremy, he was so good at making tile art that people thought it was RPG Maker assets.
0: Oh man, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's super like, interesting.
1: No. Are not RPG Maker assets. And then when I did I, in the Green Light page, I compared the RPG Maker asset with his assets because we wanted rounded edges, for instance. Okay. But RPG Maker's edges are square. Very square, very sharp. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I put those two together so you could see the difference. Okay. okay. But then I said to myself if people thought that that was RPG Maker mm-hmm. like art, maybe the art is already polished. Um,
0: it's Polished to that extent, yeah. Okay, so for them
1: to think that it's RPG Maker, so I, instead
0: of like thinking this is like a negative comment, mm-hmm. it's actually praise, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, for people to think that it's RPG, of course, we had like maybe the chest or maybe the effects, but the rest of the environment, it's all Jeremy,
0: you know, that's something I actually want to talk about mm-hmm. because you know, these comments, this mm-hmm. we talked about it a while ago, this vitriol that mm-hmm. comes from mm-hmm. the internet, this sort of toxicity, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a lot of people actually are not fans of like the RPG Maker. Yeah engine mm-hmm. and like to me that's
1: that's <laughs> that's so
0: stupid it's that's like,
1: like it's like then uh, uh, one of the comments is no I, one of the commenters if he you noticed know he was a developer and he said that RPG maker is the vein of something of the, of the indie games of indie games yeah okay like for
0: me that is like a mind-blowing conclusion to come to, especially when you're a game developer. Like, just look at the success of Corpse Party. Mm-hmm. Just look at that. And that is an amazing game. And it was like RPG Maker. Yeah, and
1: to the moon. Yeah. If you've played Oh, no, I haven't yeah. played
0: that, but yeah. Check
1: that out. Um, I think PewDiePie and Markiplier reviewed it. Oh,
0: really? And okay.
1: then there was Ib. It's a horror game made in RPG Maker. Uh-huh. So all of these games are like, okay, they have something to put on the table. Mm-hmm. And when with Mathoria, we had art. Jeremy is very good at it, and, like, <laughs> and the people are saying RPG Maker. <laughs> so anyway, after that, what I noticed was I don't think that we should be saying things about RPG Maker. It's like um, I did an analogy before. You want me to make a very simple game for kids? Okay. And the stuff we could customize the code. We customize the code. Um, there are four programmers in it. They studied Ruby, so we customize the code just to make the game simpler than it already is like we don't want to use the defaults of RPG Maker so some stuff in there might confuse kids okay so what we did was I'm like we use this engine because it's like you're asking me to use another engine it's like wanting to kill a cockroach with a jackhammer okay when you can actually just use slippers so basically
0: so bring the right tools for the right job yes okay and
1: um, our studio is not just using RPG Maker we also have Unity Anemone was made with Unity okay so um, Zania was made with Construct 2. Huh, okay. That's Mm -hmm. super interesting. Mm -hmm. Now that we're talking about the Mm in-depth
0: portion of how you guys create your games, Mm -hmm. the problems you come to grips with Mm -hmm. and things like that. I mean, right now we're talking about Zenaya, We talked about Adarna already. What else have we covered? We've covered um, your stint at Level Up Games and everything like that. Okay, we've talked about so much Mm -hmm. but like I wanna bring it back a little. Mm-hmm. I wanna bring it back to Mathoria. Because, like I mentioned a while ago, that's mm-hmm. how I heard about you guys. That's how I got to know you guys through your Mathoria Steam mm-hmm. green light page. So, where are you guys at with that right now? I mean, like, with your green light page up and running and, like, you guys campaigning for the yes votes yeah. to get it all released and stuff mm-hmm. for free, for mm-hmm, that matter. Mm-hmm. Where are you guys at with that right now?
1: Right now, we still need about a thousand votes more, maybe. But, um, we're not discouraged. Because, uh, I think that Steam, even though there's an age, limit there there are many young parents now with Kids who might be able to benefit from it, and they could play the game together. I mean, I had um, I had one Greek player who has an eight-year-old kid. Okay. The only problem he says about Mathoria is he wants localization because oh,
0: that's a problem. He uh-huh. tends
1: to translate because English is not their first language. Of it's course. Greek. So, uh-huh. and then when I checked Desira, the page where Mathoria first got released, mm-hmm. the portal, it's sort of like Steam, but it's for indie gamers. So when I checked the stats there, I think. Seven out of the top 10 countries downloaded it are not English speakers.
0: Oh man, that's interesting, <laughs> huh? So your top market is actually not speaking the language you guys created the game for.
1: Yeah, the funny thing is uh, English is not our first language either. It's I not, mean it, it's... but we're
0: really good at it.
1: <laughs> so it's not our first language either. So maybe we're also writing it from the perspective of a non-native speaker.
0: Huh, alright. So, maybe we... that's why it connects with people. Yeah, right?
1: but we're also trying to simplify the dialogues so that we don't, they don't have to translate all the time with their kids.
0: You bring up something interesting Mm -hmm. because I was actually looking through all your stuff online because I like to prepare for my interviews. I like being a proper interviewer. And I was looking through your stuff Mm -hmm. and one of the things that you guys brought up um, I watched one of your dev blogs Mm -hmm. on Zinaya. Mm -hmm. One of the things you guys brought up was that um, with the creation of Zinaya one of your forward thrusts was to have no words (laughs) (laughs) in order to simplify localization. Basically communicate game. Mechanics visually, visually mm-hmm. through visual mm-hmm. cues, mm-hmm. and that to me is very interesting because localization can be a huge problem.
1: I know, like for instance, in a lot of the games I worked with in Anino Games, they had like localization for eight countries, and that's hella expensive. Yeah, that's
0: that's bananas. As I expensive. mean, like I play Guild Wars Two right now, and it just boggles my mind that they have localization for all sorts of languages. They have German, they have French. If you open the little menu and change the language and reload your client, suddenly all the voice acting is in French. Yeah. And I'm, that just boggles my mind to the point that, oh my god, they re-recorded every line in this game in French.
1: And that's not gonna be cheap. That's, yeah, exactly. For that's most super most studio like us, We want to educate without having to be burdened or stuff like that. So that's you know? a
0: super interesting solution mm-hmm. you guys came up with with Zenaya.
1: Yeah, for visuals, yeah. With Zanaya, I think we got the thing that we wanted. So I, I asked uh, BB, maybe we need to like have people searching Wikipedia for the solution for this because they don't know what the monster is. So oh, that is pretty tough
0: because if you're not familiar with what a Capre wants, yeah. you don't know how to you get yeah. exactly. So
1: it's gonna be like tangential learning about our culture, our mythical creatures. Mm-hmm. So I think with a visual thing, we got it right with Anemone. Anemone, yeah. I didn't
0: get to see much of anemone, but like I saw that it was like sort of a platformerish type thing. Yeah, was it's it a site? Actually, it's the platformer. What is it? Because you can't jump in the game. Oh right! It's actually, a- you can't jump. You can actually only click on the environment, right? Mm-hmm. So it's so more of a puzzle platformer. A
1: puzzle side scroller.
0: Puzzle side scroller. That is a much better term mm, than what yeah, I yeah. came up with, huh?
1: Mm-hmm. It's a puzzle side scroller, and one of the journalists for I think Al Gamers, yeah, they they described it as a healing game or in- healing yeah, game, yeah. Because right. our intention was, uh, how do you recover from grief? You usually go through five oh, stages, right,
0: right, right, mm-hmm.
1: and we don't want to tell the entire story mm-hmm. we want you to discover the story for yourself of course
0: uh-huh. that's part of a, the experience yeah
1: it's it's the journey you can actually not Read the story, but Mm -hmm. you go through the struggle of completing the puzzles through the mechanics. And to
0: me, that's the most amazing part about like any game Mm -hmm. because it's a very unique medium in a way that, for example, if you're watching a movie, like it kind of runs you through the scenario, it kind of runs you through the story, Mm -hmm. but that's it. You're just an audience member, you just watch. Mm -hmm. The super interesting thing to me when it comes to games is like being able to participate with your own agency, you know what I mean? Being able to like actually affect what's going on or be able to choose the path half mm-hmm. or in, like the basest of sense the empathy is real mm-hmm. when you're in the game because mm-hmm. for example like I- in a previous interview we talked about this in a way that for example Neo in the matrix is sort of like a blank slate ish mm-hmm. character so you can relate to him mm-hmm. so you can put yourself in his shoes mm-hmm. but it's only ever gonna be at that degree mm-hmm. but when it comes to games not only are you relating to the character for example like link mm-hmm. he's a protagonist and he doesn't speak it's very easy to put yourself mm-hmm. in his shoes but at the same time you're actually controlling this Character, you have that sense of agency, and that's something very unique that mm-hmm. games can offer. Yeah, okay, so I'm babbling on, and <laughs> like I'd really love to get to talking more about Mathoria mm-hmm. and like everything else. So far, we've covered Mathoria, Adarna, like all your other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I actually want to touch on is like your other stuff, like Song of Pisces and a Guardian story. Oh, yeah, you talked about it a while ago, like a Guardian story, that yeah. like, yeah. how you were proud of it. And <laughs> I saw that, um, Song of Pisces actually kind of. Reminded me of
1: that because that is prologue, it's supposed to be the prequel of book one. Song oh, so
0: they're connected, they're
1: connected. That's
0: why it looked so similar to me. Yeah, then. okay, okay.
1: Um, there's only a difference in the art style, but Song of Pisces, I already wrote the story for this 10 years ago when I wasn't level up because the characters in Song of Pisces are my characters in Ragnarok.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, that (laughs) makes a lot of sense to me now because the character portraits seem very reminiscent of the character designs from Ragnarok. For Ragnarok, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So I was
1: like, even the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the music. Even the music is like I want nostalgia. Ah, I don't want the exact same music as Ragnarok Online. Of course, of course. But I want the feel that when you play it, you remember what it's like to play Ragnarok Online. Exactly. So Uh that's the thing. I used RPG Maker there but like entire engine. It's like I changed everything in there. All the defaults. The way the database worked, I changed that. Even the the, uh, the battle
0: The battle mechanics. Yeah, the yeah. battle
1: mechanics. Because um, with Prologue, it's turn-based. Yeah. Typical RPG mechanics. And then
0: I saw with Song of Pisces, it's more of an active
1: combat. It right? is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you'd see it, I was trying to go for the Ragnarok. Feel. Yeah,
0: of course. Because yeah.
1: um, of course it's a single player game so you mm-hmm. have a party. Because you can't have a party with your friends. So you have a party in there. With, mm-hmm. with the NPCs. With, yeah, you just change the characters whenever it's convenient for you. But the thing about that is I like Song of Pisces better than Prologue. But Prologue is still the one making money. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that's pretty amazing, huh?
1: Because <laughs> not a lot. I just, um, I noticed the people who like Prologue did not like the battle system.
0: Because it's different.
1: It's different. It's uh-huh. not easy. It's yeah, yeah. It's it Ragnarok. Is. Of course, you're gonna be thrown into battle, and then you're gonna be, you'd have mobs trying to go after you. Uh-huh. That's how Ragnarok was. Man,
0: that's pretty interesting. And, like, some of Pisces is actually the one you like more. Yeah. But everyone There's... else seems to like the one you don't like.
1: I know. I'm like, ugh.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. from a game designer mm-hmm. standpoint that your audience can like something very different from what you had in mind. Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. Okay, uh, we've talked a lot about, like, the stuff that Senji Labs. Is produced, I mean, like we talked about, that, like, I, I'm repeating it again, we've talked about Mathoria, Adarna, Song of Pisces, A Guardian Story, Zenaya, and Anemone. And um your current game that's also on Hiatus, Brushstrokes. But I'd like to get to know you more a bit, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, we've talked about your stint at Level Up, we've talked about your stint at Anino, and we've talked about your progression in the games industry here, your career. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to get to know how you started, started, not just with Level Up, but like, mm-hmm. what got you into games. Was that always a thing for you growing up?
1: Yeah, because when I was a kid, I'd play with my neighbors. We'd play DD. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. yeah. Now I don't remember much of it because I was like 11. Of I course, think.
0: of course. And the memory is going to be fuzzy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Back then, when you say social gaming, it's yeah. really social. Like, we all have Nintendo consoles at home. Okay. All of us, all of the kids in the neighborhood. But then we go to each other's houses.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that experience of going to someone's house and like playing on their consoles.
1: Playing on their console.
0: And maybe exchanging games. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: So for instance, we play Mega Man. And we'd like, okay, the challenge is you only use your weapon. We have an assigned weapon for each. Oh
0: man, and really? And then
1: all the boys got all the weapons. I'm like, okay, I'm stuck with Bubble Man <laughs> for, for, for Mega Man 2.
0: Bubble Man, all So right. when we finally,
1: we finished like with alternate stages. Okay. Finally, we got to the final boss. And then none nice. of you can defeat him. I think Bubble Man can. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so, pretty interesting. So yeah, I was like, okay, you just... Just gave me the the weapon that can actually defeat the final boss. So. Oh
0: man, you know I'm kind of jealous because whenever I talk to my guests about their childhoods, it's always with the Nintendo. It's yeah. always with the Nintendo. I grew up with a Genesis.
1: Oh, oh. we had I think I, said, <laughs> I had the Sega Mega Drive.
0: I had the Sega Mega Drive as well, and like all my friends would always be on about like oh playing Mega Man, oh mm-hmm. I'm playing all like all these interesting games, and I'm like I love Sonic. But I don't like what Sonic has become.
1: Oh, what happened <laughs> you know,
0: to him? You know what I mean. <laughs> like all well, the... Especially Sonic Boom. <laughs> oh man, all of the horrible games to come out from Sonic Team these days. Oh, I'm going on a stupid tangent, mm-hmm. a stupid personal tangent again because I'm me and I go on tangents. But like, <laughs> that's just something very interesting yeah. to me that like, what console you grow up with can actually affect what you're into. Mm-hmm. So with you growing up with stuff like Mega Man, mm-hmm. how did that affect what you wanted to get into in the future? Yeah.
1: Actually, I wasn't thinking about becoming a game developer until Ragnarok.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. So, back when you were a kid, you had the Nintendo stuff, yeah. but it wasn't until that pivotal moment with Ragnarok mm-hmm. Online that you thought about getting into the games industry. Yeah.
1: Um, when I was a kid, it was also a hobby that to entertain myself, I'd make board games. Oh, yeah? Like, from
0: folders. Oh, that's super fun. Okay.
1: <laughs> from folders, I'd cut out cards and just make board games. So, I could play with my brother and my sister at that time. Okay. Uh, sometimes, I'd design characters. My drawings are like... <laughs> but I, 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 I had, like, character backgrounds for them. I liked designing characters back then. Yeah, but it never entered my mind that I'd be in the game industry at that time. Because ah. that, for me, was entertainment. Making a board game or a card game, to me, was entertainment. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, some people, like, it still blows their mind that yeah. game design is a job. Yeah. And to some people, they might think that this is, like, a dream job mm-hmm. where, like, everything is fun and games. But it's actually a real job. Yeah, and it's, it's tough. Re-worked.
1: It's hard. It's hard. So... At that time, yeah, I was like, it's not something I thought about. In fact, I never knew what to do mm-hmm. or what I wanted. Every time somebody asks me, what do you want to be when you grow up? My answers would always be different. Okay. Every time I get asked. So every
0: time, all right. <laughs> every time.
1: I think I was a jack of all trades growing up, so I had a lot of interest. Yeah, most of my childhood was that. Making games to play because, for instance, I wanted a board game. My mom wouldn't buy the Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> of course. Okay, I'll make my own board game. So, it's it's like that. That's
0: super cool. Mm-hmm. That like I'm kind of connecting with you in a weird way because I actually made my own tabletop RPG yeah. too. It was a game I used to play with my friends all the time and it was massively fun and to me that's something very rewarding as a creator. I yeah. mean like creating your own game like you said for you that was a form of entertainment. Yeah
1: that was you'll notice that even though you've created the rules they actually change when you're already playing because you of need course. to adjust a lot of the of mechanics. Course.
0: I mean like that's the amazing thing when it comes to analog gaming mm-hmm. because when it comes to a digital game you can't fix that until you release a patch.
1: Yeah.
0: And basically, when it comes to analog gaming, you can patch on the fly. Yeah. The fastest <laughs> of hot fixes. Yeah. Yeah,
1: like For instance, uh, even for something that's already done, like Monopoly, sometimes we even bend the rules. Yeah. Like, uh, a lot of
0: people have house rules when yeah. it comes to Monopoly. So yeah. we
1: bend the rules or make some new rules mm-hmm. and then it's the same with when you created your own game, you realize that a lot of it is broken if you haven't play-tested it yet. Exactly. And then when you start testing it, when you start playing it, that's when you realize You that,
0: realize this part shouldn't work that way. Yeah, We're babbling on a lot Mm -hmm. and I hope our listeners are okay with us babbling on. So far, we've talked about all of the stuff Mm -hmm. and we've delved a bit into like um, your origin and like Mm -hmm. what you grew up with and that's super interesting to me but like one of the things I want to get back to before we finish up this interview because like podcasts have a limited time and I wish we had more time to like babble on and talk because I'm having a very interesting conversation with you right now but one of the things we first brought up when we started the interview that I want to get back to was your book. Images in Play, How mm-hmm. Filipino Women Co-Create Empowerment in Social Games. So, that's something very left-field to me in a way that you come from a game design background. Mm-hmm. And you were a writer, but mm-hmm. to write a whole book. Wow, what made you write a whole book about women in games? Well,
1: that book was originally, it had a longer title. It was my PhD dissertation. Oh, ah, okay. And so, it, it was, had
0: something to do with school, huh? Yeah,
1: it was this thick?
0: okay for our listeners out that's there that's about
1: 400 pages 300 340
0: pages Doc b is like holding up her fingers and like that's a pretty thick ass book yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so that
1: thick. it was very academic so i was like okay it's just gonna sit there in the library and nobody's gonna read that unless they're going through the doctoral defense and they want to make a dissertation also oh
0: yeah that makes sense i mean like you wrote this thing for like quite a long time and you yeah. worked so hard on it yeah. for it just the. Lay there.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. And for other academics to pick up and that's it. So I was thinking maybe I should publish the book. So huh. yeah. So well the thing with Amazon is that at least it's easier there. So we got an editor and then I asked her to help me simplify the words because it's so dense.
0: Dense and academic and yeah, very highfalutin.
1: Yeah, it's like alright, <laughs> ah, so some of it is scientific, some of it is very qualitative, it's it's really very academic. So mm-hmm. I asked her to help me like lower oh. the language. Which mm-hmm, at least mm-hmm. something that people can understand basically
0: Some, make it more consumable yeah yes
1: and it's something that my boyfriend would understand he's a programmer <laughs>
0: All right. he's a
1: programmer why would you want to read about women in, in- games. And if he sees their theoretical framework and, blah, 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 and all of those scientific or academic stuff. That's very
0: interesting mm-hmm. because like a lot of people when they're finished writing their dissertations or like mm-hmm. writing their thesis, mm-hmm. thesis I, thesis English. Well, anyways, thesis, yeah. <laughs> when they're finished writing that stuff, they usually just forget about it. Yeah. But you, you actually wanted to do something with this. That's no,
1: Because I actually connected with the women I talked to. I mm-hmm. interviewed mm-hmm. them. I feel like they should be heard and it, it's it's relevant, especially now that a lot of women are in
0: in gaming. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
1: Um, if you notice, in other countries they, they complain about the state of women in games. Like they complain about being mistreated. Of course. It, I never felt that here. Really? Not in this country. That's amazing. Okay. Not in this country. I don't feel like there's a glass ceiling for us here. Because there's a lot of female producers. female uh, Well, programmers, not much. It's actually still not, that, no, yeah, not yeah. that high a number. But there are a lot of women here uh, there are artists. There are designers. Uh, Miss Luna Cruz is proof. We have women here. We have uh, women CEOs also running uh, game development studios.
0: So what you're saying is you didn't feel that sort of pressure. Yeah. That sort of uh, discrimination. Yeah. Again. And
1: I guess writing about it. So I had to look at the sites that talk about discrimination against women. And then there are these types of women. So it's like I like talking about them. So yeah. I thought about publishing it. So at least we have, we have that out there you have
0: material out there Mm. to be consumed I love talking about this kind of stuff and I love getting like an interesting perspective on it because you know I'm male (laughs) and of course I don't have a female perspective Mm. so I love hearing about like the perspective you guys have on the games industry and any industry in general I guess because Mm. this is the first time I'm hearing of the unique situation that in this country you didn't feel it
1: no yeah
0: but when you wrote this book um, empowerment in social games Mm. okay so just to give our listeners a quick rundown what is this about like if you were to give like an elevator pitch on what this book is about what is it
1: it's about how women define their power in gaming how they define their identities in gaming okay so it's it's about women who are casual gamers but a lot of gamers look down upon casual gamers and then you see that they think like this they find empowerment in playing that they don't even care what you think about them okay in this game I'm powerful of course yeah like
0: in any game like one of the main attractive things to me is the escapism.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you see it just like the reason the, for the title is Images in Play. You can actually see it when you look at them play. The images that they build
0: Ah, alright, all right. game. That makes sense. Because
1: if with book writers, writers have control most of the time. Mm-hmm. Except you imagine things differently. But with games, the players tend to rewrite a lot of the things. Okay. Like especially for simulation games. Oh,
0: yeah. You yeah, can yeah. build
1: your own world in there.
0: Basically, yeah. So
1: when you take Take a look at the world, observe how it looks like, the things that these women build.
0: It's a representation of how it they feel. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: How they feel, their identity, you can actually feel their identity in that game. I mean, like,
0: just take a look at anyone's Minecraft world and mm-hmm. it's, it speaks volumes mm-hmm. yeah. about who they are yes. and what mm-hmm. they find important. Mm-hmm. That's very amazing because like, I'll have a friend and like, he'll just have a simple house but when you look under it, there's a massive mining complex yeah. of, like full of like automated mm-hmm. stuff or I'll have another friend who has a small mine but a gigantic castle on top yeah. <laughs> it speaks volumes on what they find important and who they are yeah
1: Mm-hmm. And then they'd play it like that without spending a single thing. Because I noticed that some of the American friends I added, they'd have really... Wow, okay, that looks expensive.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It adds
1: value to the space. Each artifact you put in there, it adds value to the space. But these Filipino women, they add value to the space without having to spend a single dime. But they spend a lot of time is there so
0: instead of investing money they invest time. time huh that's very interesting i don't think i've heard that that um the filipino mindset is to avoid spending actual money and instead invest time mm-hmm. uh, well i mean like there's that saying time is money mm-hmm. so we have that mentality that um we'd rather spend time instead of money uh. i think so mm, that's pretty amazing okay we've talked a lot about everything and ah, uh, like i just wish podcasts didn't have a time limit so I could talk to you more, but like so far, we've covered like Mathoria, we've mm. covered level up games, we've covered all of the other games that Senshi Labs has produced, and that's pretty amazing. I'd love to talk to you more about all this stuff. And one of the things I want to mention again is Mathoria, because that's how I got to get to know mm. you guys, and that's something I want to maybe promote on this episode. Mm. So, Mathoria, it all adds up, mm. it has a Steam green light page right now. Mm. Like, how can we support it? How can we find it? Things like that.
1: Oh, wow, the link is long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, like,
0: I will so, just put it in the description of this episode. Yeah, yeah for sure. So
1: um, you can find it in Steam Greenlight. Just search for Mathoria. It all adds up under Greenlight. Of course, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, under not Greenlight. under
0: the normal library yeah. of games, yeah,
1: because it has to be approved. Yeah, it uh, has to be
0: greenlit first. Yeah. Uh, of course.
1: Yeah, there. Um, and you can find uh, Mathoria has a Facebook page now. It's Mathoria. It all adds up. Sure, because um, we wanted to get Mathoria. It was already taken. Oh really? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh man. Ooh, what was that? Why was it? Taken.
0: Oh man, that's so, something you don't expect. Yeah, huh? so
1: Matoria, it all adds up. And then you can find us on Facebook, uh, that's Senshi.labs.
0: Senshi.labs. Mm-hmm. Alright, Like, thank you so much mm-hmm. for like allowing me into your um, secret developer lair. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners out there, we're actually here right now in the Senshi Labs secret development lair. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> they don't usually let people in here <laughs> as far as I'm told. Yeah. And they let me in here. Um. Usually, I would just invade homes. Now, I'm invading secret. <laughs> Secret layers. <laughs>
1: like that's the bad game.
0: <laughs> that's that's a pretty big step up for me because usually I would invade a lot of people's homes, a lot of people's offices. But now I see I've graduated to invading secret layers. <laughs> that's pretty great. Okay, I had a great time talking and mm-hmm. like I wish we could talk more. But maybe I can have you on in a, like maybe a repeat episode. Maybe like, sure. Maybe I can talk to other members of your team. Sure. Like I love seeing people here within the games industry locally mm-hmm. that are pushing this type of thing that you know games are a thing games are important mm-hmm. i love that and you guys are taking a very unique spin on it with the edutainment mm-hmm. angle and that to me is very interesting okay now that we've talked about everything like that um okay. is there anything you want to plug maybe
1: oh uh, well first mathoria yep
0: yep mathoria and the senshi labs facebook page
1: yeah okay um you can find us in senshi.ph
0: senshi.ph that's the
1: official site for um, our
0: listeners that is s e s h i.ph mm-hmm. right
1: s e n S
0: H I. Oh man, yeah. oh, I am horrible. Okay, <laughs> sensh dot Okay, perfect. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um. We're currently working on Adarna Two and Mathoria Two, so Adarna
0: Two and Mathoria Two. But
1: Math- Mathoria Two is actually done, and we're just undergoing testing phase now.
0: Oh, that's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. like we're just talking about Mathoria, and you guys have already done Mathoria Two. Yeah. Holy so, crap! Yeah. Okay. We
1: finished it. I think uh, a few months ago. So and I- then it's It's just undergoing testing phase. When it's done, it's usually me who's doing the bug fixes. Oh, okay. So, uh, we're also adding a few art assets now. Oh,
0: yeah. what about Adarna 2?
1: Adarna 2 is also in the works.
0: Oh, that's yeah. pretty great. Like, I'm really happy to see like a game studio here continuously putting out some good work out there, huh?
1: Um, Adarna 2 is actually a bit feminist. <laughs> so feminist. <and> okay. <laughs> it's, it's a female thing. We, What do you mean? Yeah? If you reread the story of Ibong Adarna, Okay. Juan, the protagonist has several girlfriends.
0: Yes, I I vaguely remember. Yeah, this. I'm
1: like. Mm. We don't need one. <laughs> I scored super
0: bad on my Ibong Adarna test so I don't remember much <laughs> like, about we don't it. Need I do remember one. that.
1: Actually, you don't have to be a feminist to appreciate it. It's at least a decent thing to do to give these women voices. They're very strong characters. So we wanted to focus on that. Okay. So that's Adarna.
0: Okay, that's interesting. We'll keep an eye out mm-hmm. on that. Maybe keep an eye out on your website for any announcements. Also, uh, if you guys are interested in this sort of stuff and maybe want to support, please check out their Facebook page and like keep an eye out for them. And like, maybe, support the green light, yeah? Okay, Um. but as an individual, naman Doc B, I'm sure like after listening to your life story, after listening to your career, listening to everything you've done so far, I'm sure some people might want to reach out, some people might want to get in touch, maybe collaborate with you, mm-hmm. things like that. How would like people get in touch with you? Do you have like a Twitter, like anything like that?
1: As soon as they get to Senshi.ph, the website, they can actually connect to me. Uh, oh, okay, perfect. The emails that go there, I can actually read them. (laughs) so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, even if it's not addressed to me i mean
0: that's how i got in touch yeah yeah perfect perfect okay so if you want to get in touch just go to senshi.ph and maybe send an email yeah yeah? that sounds perfect that sounds great um is there anything else you would like to talk about Mm. before we wrap up this interview
1: well i hope everyone like appreciates the beauty of gaming uh, the entertainment factor but also the fact that you can actually learn from gaming Uh, that's the only thing i want to
0: that's something we constantly strive mm-hmm. for in my opinion and because like I think we're past the giant hysteria part of it mm-hmm. but like for the majority of it I think like everyone has a positive outlook on games mm-hmm. now because yeah. the people who grew up with games are now the adults yes. and we are like come on guys games are good um, games are something that mm-hmm. can teach you something and we're at that point already but I always love it when people keep pushing that message because there yeah. still can be some people out there who have this negative view on games mm-hmm. negative It's just view like on any
1: other form of interview when films first came out i'm sure they had critics
0: yeah i'm sure they were censored yeah, yeah. and then
1: when shakespeare first came out i'm sure i i, I know that he had critics yeah well, for sure for he sure He had yeah. critics. they said he invented so many words in it that he bastardized the english language <laughs> and all that and yeah. now i mean he's a classic mm-hmm. <laughs> so i think we'll all go through that
0: i think gaming is like going through the same steps yeah. that every other media mm-hmm. goes through you know any other form of media mm-hmm. okay so I think that's it. Yeah. Mm, yes. Okay. Now, thank you for taking the time to talk with me, and thank you for letting me into your secret lair again. <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed our time together. I hope you enjoyed the tea. I, like I enjoyed thank my you. coffee. <laughs> and like maybe next time I can stop by again, check in on your projects, maybe talk to more team members. I mean, like sayang Mister Kabang is in here. Yeah. You're yeah. we supposed to talk to him too. Yeah. He I know. was the producer for Mothoria. Yeah.
1: Uh, he finished Mathoria 2 like 3 months ago I think yeah 3 months oh, ago oh man yeah and um, since it's already in testing and then he, he has been hired by he was an intern when he was producing that
0: oh really yeah. oh that's super interesting so
1: yeah uh, he got hired by Game Ops
0: that sounds great I will keep in touch mm-hmm. for sure and maybe I can get to talking to Mr. Cabam personally mm-hmm. and like maybe get to talking with other members in your group and talking about your other games and endeavors and I just wanna like throw out my support there for you guys Thank because you. I love indie game designers I love that you guys are doing this sort of thing okay so thank you so much um, I had a great time and I hope you guys enjoyed too and uh, I will like slowly let myself out of your secret lair right. <laughs> okay um, I think that's it and that was another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash A Meal in the Morning at Night for announcements on when the next episode is out and if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at at Emile Tang on Twitter. That's at E-M-I-L-E-T-A-N-G. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send it over to morning at gmail.com. Once again, thank you to everyone for joining us for another episode of Emile in the Morning at Night. And if you're like me, thank you for starting your day with us this fine evening. And to the rest of you people out there, a good night.